This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWaves Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the fall of 2022, we're focusing on Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. In the past three weeks, we've been focusing on Hosea. Bob's joining us again today. Bob Bunny is. We're going to be looking at the fourth session from the book of Hosea. Bob, thank you for helping us get a handle on these four studies from the book of Hosea. It's been great. Had a lot of fun doing it. This session, we're looking at Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. And the summary statement is that God promises to forgive all who turn to him in repentance. The three points from the passage outline are these, true repentance, true forgiveness, and true wisdom. That first point, true repentance, looks at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 14. In these verses, Hosea called on Israel to return to God in repentance. The people needed to admit their sin, especially their misguided trust in things other than God. The point for us is that people must admit their sin and need for forgiveness. The second point, true forgiveness, looks at verses 4 through 7 of, of Hosea 14. Hosea explained that God would heal Israel and love them freely, forgiving them if they turned to him in repentance. God would establish them and prosper them as a result. A key idea or main point is that people who turn to God in repentance find his love and forgiveness. The last section, true wisdom, looks at verses 8 and 9 of Hosea 14. In these verses, Hosea declared that God awaited an answer. The wise person would consider the message of Hosea and walk in God's ways. For us, we can focus on the idea that wisdom is found in turning to God in repentance. So, Bob, we have this. This is really the evangelistic lesson. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But a repent, the repentance here is a key idea. How does the repentance that we are to express today compare to the repentance that Hosea was calling for here in Hosea 14? I think the first question we have to answer is what, is, what does repentance mean? And kind of remind ourselves of that. Uh, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it, it essentially means turning around and moving in a new direction. Spiritually speaking, turning from your old ways and your own, your own sinful ways and turning to God and following him and walking in his steps again. So in that sense, there's not a lot of difference. God's call to repentance then is the same as his call to repentance today. He's still calling us to turn away from our selfishness, our rebellion, uh, our lack of concern for him, our rejection of him. Turn from all of that and start walking in his footsteps, start walking in his ways. Now, it, we'd be really tempted to look at, especially after we've gone through three weeks of Hosea to this point, and say, well, you know, I, I'm not doing the stuff that they're doing. I'm not bowing down to idols. I'm not, I'm not abusing the poor. Uh, you know, I haven't been sexually immoral. I have all these things that we talk about. And then in our minds, we say, well, you know, I really, I, I love God. I, I follow God. But we all have our own little ways, right, of, of rebelling. We all have our own little pet sins that we do. So, okay, maybe we're not bowing down to an idol, but we have things that replace God in our lives. We have things that take, take priority 
things that that we want to lift up, in, in, even unconsciously, uh, sometimes, and uh, where God ought to be. Um, we may not necessarily abuse the poor the way maybe some in the eighth century BC did, but we have our own ways of of ignoring those in need uh, and and maybe turning our backs on the least of these. Um, we we may not be sexually immoral, immoral. We may not be adulterers or adulteresses, but but we're not always faithful. We betray people uh, on a regular basis, and so we're we're not any better than they are than they were. Uh, we have our own issues. We have our own problems. We have our own struggles, and and God's still saying, "Hey, I love you anyway." <laughs> you know, in the midst of all this, there's a solution. There's a way things can get better. If you will repent, if you will turn, then I will be there for for you. Now, for some of us, that might mean repenting for the very first time and coming to Christ as Savior. You mentioned that this was the evangelistic lesson. Um, you know, we've got the plan of salvation in the in on, in the book itself. Whatever book you happen to be using that that Lifeway produces, yeah, it's on the inside front cover of every on the inside front cover. Every resource. the same place every quarter, <laughs> and you can refer to that. You can use that uh, to to share the gospel with folks for the very first time. For others, maybe they're trapped in some kind of sin. They've accepted Christ. They had that that eternal security or whatever, but they still struggle. There's still a sin that easily besets them. And, you know, they need to repent of that. So it's an on repentance is an ongoing process in the Christian life. And, and it's, it's good to, to have that call every so often to remind people that, you know, God is still wanting to bring you back. God is still wanting to embrace you and he'll, he'll take you back. If you'll turn to him. You mentioned uh, defining repentance uh, on page 50 of Quicksource, uh, the dig deeper feature for this particular session, it defines repentance. It gives us a short article, tell, talks about just like what you mentioned, Bob, it's returning or turning back. Uh, classic definition, we turn away from sin and we turn to God. And then it gives us some passages to consider. Most of them, all of them actually are in the New Testament. Looks at John the Baptist's message in Matthew 3 looks at several times where Jesus noted uh, the need for repentance, talks about Mark 1, Luke 5, Luke 13, and Luke 15. The article also points to Peter, where he calls uh, for folks to remember that we should be thankful for God's patience, because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all come to repentance. And then it gives a list of other um places where possible where the apostles use that idea as well and so i, I it, it gives us all kinds of passages there that we could help our group look at from the new testament to gain a deeper understanding of repentance and the idea that that's a common theme throughout scripture we see it here in hosea we we've heard it the past three weeks and when we looked at hosea and we're hearing it now too so that's just an article that might help us uh, during the group time, share with that defined repentance. There's a lot of agricultural images in these verses. How might we illustrate these ideas today? Uh, if we are with a group that they've never even been on a farm, much less seen some of the things that are talked about in this passage. Yeah, it, it does have a lot of agrarian imagery, which would have been perfect for 
Israelites in that period of time. They were they were an agrarian society, and so they would have understood a lot of this farming stuff, a lot of these these plant images and, and things like that. Or you know, even like in the last issue we or the last um, the last lesson we talked about the plow and turning up the fallow ground and the, with the plow. So they would have understood this. I'm one of those people. I didn't grow up on a farm. I'm a suburbanite from the time I was born. My mom and dad kind of grew up on farms and uh, when they were younger, but, um, you know, I didn't inherit that really. Uh, I know a little bit. They, they, they planted large gardens when I was a kid. So I'm, I do know a little bit about tilling soil and, and, and pulling weeds and, and things like that, uh, shucking, shucking corn and, and, and snapping peas. But uh, I don't know a whole lot about uh, agriculture. So I'm sort of in that, in that probably majority of, of people today. Uh, so, you know, for me, maybe uh, a better idea would be family. Uh, you know, where do I find security? Where do I find peace? Where do I find help and hope? And, and where's my anchor in life? For me, it's family. You know, I've got a wife and three kids and a daughter-in-law and a granddaughter and nothing nothing makes me happier than to be hanging out with my family. That's where I find security. That's my happy place. Uh, that's where I feel restored and renewed. Um, so maybe for, for me, if you're like me, that's, that's the kind of image. For other folks, they may understand buildings. Uh, they may understand the security of a building, especially during a storm or during a, uh, during a difficult time uh, where you can kind of, you got a roof over your head and you got a, you know, a door you can lock or whatever. And you kind of feel that maybe one of the things that the leaders can do is, is kind of pose that question to their, to the folks in their class, to their, to their learners and say, Hey, you know, where do you see this? What comes to your mind? What is it? What are the images that illustrate this best for you? And have a conversation about that. That would be really interesting. I think uh, to get the, get the feedback on different, on different folks, but the, whatever illustration you use, um, the message is the same. Hosea is saying, hey, God has blessed you, and God wants to continue to bless you, and if you will turn to him, he will, and that's, that's really whatever, whatever metaphor or illustration you choose to use, that's what, that's what we need to keep coming back to, is God's graciousness and God's, God's forgiveness. Each quarter, we designate a lesson, a specific lesson, as the evangelistic lesson. There's a variety of reasons we may select that lesson. This lesson is that, that lesson for this quarter. It lends itself to having that conversation. So how can we help teachers point people to Christ through this lesson? Yeah. I, in some ways, Hosea's entire book has been, has been building to this point where, where he's exposed sin, but now he offers the solution. And that's really what sharing the gospel is about. As much as it is exposing sin, it's really telling people about, about the solutions to their sin. And so it's always exciting when we get a chance to, to do that. We mentioned earlier the, the plan of salvation that's on the inside cover. Uh, again, I think that would be a great way for folks to do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's also, I think it's also uh, another way to do that would be to kind of just remind people of the character of the God they serve. Um, this, this is a God, and we've said this time and time again, this is a God who judges sin, but loves people and one and always judges in a way that, that to bring them back to him. And so as you're teaching the lesson, as you're guiding folks to think about this, keep pointing back to this quality and this characteristic of God, the God who, the God who receives, the God who accepts, the God who forgives, um, 
you know, uh, what you don't want to do, and this is the temptation I think we sometimes fall into as leaders, especially in, in Bible studies. And if you know your folks and maybe you've been in the class with them for, for years and, and you know them really well, the temptation is to think, well, they don't really need this because they're all saved. <laughs> they're all Christians anyway. Try to fight that urge. Um, I, you don't, I tell people all the time, I don't want to unsave anybody. You know, I don't want to manipulate their emotions or whatever, make them think that they haven't made a decision that they've already made. I kind of grew up in a culture where that was, that was standard operating procedure. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we were always in the revivals where, where, where the preachers were trying to, trying to unsave you <laughs> if you've been saved already. And so the same people kept going down every revival and, and, and praying a prayer of salvation. I don't want that. I'm really turned off by that because of my background. But I think it's fair to just to open the question up and say, hey, you know, you may have walked in the church. You may have lived in the church for a while. You may have walked uh, walked among us and, and, and sat in this class and sat in sermons and, and, and grew up in the church and whatever. And you still may not have made that decision. Uh, I want to open that door for you. I want to, I want to let you know that I'm available as a leader to talk to you about that and no pressure, no shame, no whatever, but just to let you know that, that it is important to make that decision. And I want to give you that chance. So, you know, I think, I think that's, that's something to, to do. You don't, you don't, you don't try to unsave the save, but you certainly want to, because you never know. There may yeah. be somebody in there that's, that's today is the day that they hear it for the, I mean, really hear it for the first time. And you don't want to miss that chance just because you're assuming you, you know better off than, than what. what and that'd be really a strong possibility because of this set of lessons from Hosea. Uh, the first lesson, which would have been when we looked at his marriage was talking about unfaithfulness. Mm -hmm. The second lesson, we looked at hollow promises. They knew they were unfaithful. They, the people of Israel knew they were unfaithful, but they were trying to cover it up by being religious. Um, then the next one was sin harvested, which would have been session nine, the previous week, last week session. And during that study, we looked at sowing and reaping. And, you know, we understand all of the history points to whenever, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And so they were going to be experiencing judgment. And now we've come to this lesson, which really is the culmination of everything Jose is trying to say is we're sinners. We've blown it. We've rejected God, but we have an opportunity to, to make it right. And it comes by us turning and repenting. So it very well could be that through that set of lessons, this, when we're in Hosea, that God is working in somebody's life each week, building on it, getting them to this point. And we can't, we can't as teachers ignore that possibility. Uh, one thing that I would point out here that could be helpful as well. You mentioned the inside front cover of the, the resources. Also, the North American Mission Board has a website that could help us share the gospel with people. Uh, the website I would point to is namb.net, namb.net forward slash evangelism forward slash three circles. And it's, it's just the number three, not spelling out three circles. Let me give that again. NAMB, which is NAM, North American Mission Board, NAMB.net forward slash evangelism forward slash three circles. You'll see some videos there. 
that you can use to share with somebody. You could show them in the group time. There's an app for iPhone. If you have an Android, there's not an app for that. But if you have an iPhone, there's an app for sharing the three circles illustration uh, to share the gospel with someone. That's one way you could do it. Another way is for you to uh, invite people to share their testimony, how they became believers. And they can share that. It gives you the opportunity to share as well. But you could pre-enlist some folks to share uh, during that time, which, you know, May, we may have to help them do this, Bob. We may have to help those folks overcome their fear of sharing. Um, how, how would we help them do that? How would we help somebody overcome their fear of sharing uh, with a group of people that's friendly to them even? <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let, let's admit it. The, the fear is real. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's there. Uh, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert who loves people. So I like being around people. I can stand up and, and teach a lesson or whatever and, and interact with people. But it's going to take a while uh for me to really warm up to you. Uh, I've got to know you. I've got to trust you uh, before I'm going to be too open with you. But uh, a lot of people are like that, you know, and I'm not the kind of person that's going to walk up to a stranger on the street and say, Hey, do you know if he died today? (laughs) That kind of thing. And and honestly, if I was going to count the number of people I've met in my life who are really good at that and who could do it in a a winsome, winsome, meaningful way, I wouldn't even have to take my socks off. You know, it, 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 there's that probably that many, that few people that I know who, who can make a difference that way. So how do we deal with that? Well, I, th- I think there's two things you can do. Uh, one is you, you pray about it. Uh, you pray for opportunities and even maybe more importantly, you pray to be sensitive to the opportunities you're already getting. I think that's really more the key. Sometimes I think God opens doors all the time. We just don't always pick up on it. Uh, the illustration I often use for this is uh, a couple of years ago, my son and I went to, we, you and I live in the Nashville area. Um, I went to a Titans game, Tennessee Titans game, and uh, they were playing the Buffalo Bills. And if you've ever been to a Buffalo Bills game or even an away game in the Buffalo place, their fans pretty much take over the stadium. Or they try to. <laughs> Our friend Darren Clark loves that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and so sure enough, we were sitting in, in the Titans stadium in the middle of a bunch of Buffalo fans. And so we got to talk to, to this family in front of us who was from Buffalo. And we kind of built this relationship over the course of the game, just talking back and forth. And when, when the game was over and uh, unfortunately the Titans lost and Buffalo won, they turned around and just said, well, thank you so much for, for being nice to us. Thank you for welcoming us to your city. Thank you for being such a great ambassador for Nashville. And I basically said, well, thank you. I'm glad you have a safe trip home and all that stuff. Later on, it dawned on me, how easy would it have been for me to say, after having this conversation with these folks, how easy it would it have been for me to say, well, you know, the reason I'm like that isn't really because I'm such a great big Titans fan, but because, you know, that's how Jesus, to- at, that's how Jesus wants me to treat everybody, you know, and because I'm a Christian and, and, and you know, I wouldn't have had to give them this big sermon, but I could have planned a seed and I missed that chance. And so now I, 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 I kind of understand you got to pray as much for the that don't miss opportunities as for the opportunities to be presented. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing is I think you build relationships. Um, We live in a culture that really cares about relationships. There was a time when you could stand on a street corner and preach to people and it might make a difference. There was a time when you could walk up to a stranger with a Bible and, and, and you would get some respect. You would get a hearing just because you were holding a Bible in your hand. And I'm not sure we're there anymore. Now you have to build those relationships. You have to earn the hearing. And so 
I, I would encourage people to do that. Now, there are times when you're going to get a chance just to say, hey, you know, um, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life to a stranger. But more, more often than not, it's going to be about the relationships that you build. Because like the old cliche is, uh, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You have to kind of build that. You have to bake that into the formula a little bit. Um, and really building those relationships, it makes you more comfortable and it, it you, you, you feel less vulnerable as someone who shares. And so, you know, if you've earned the right to speak into someone's life, then you can pretty much say what you want to say because they know what's behind it. You're not just, they're, they're not just a number that you're trying to, to, you know, a notch in your belt. Or, or a number that you're putting on a, on, a, on a report for a church document or something, there's, there's someone that you actually care about. And so I, I think those are two things that, uh, and, and if, you're in a, if you're in a Bible study class, if you're leading a Bible study class, you should have built those kind of relationships. And so the, the, the opportunities to share and to just throw it out there, like we said, and, and open the door for those conversations should come fairly naturally to, to you. Bob, we've looked at Hosea's family, his marriage, children, um, the sermons that he's delivered here. He's made a formidable case for their repentance. And the story kind of just ends there. Do we know what happened next in the life of Hosea or in response to his sermon? Well, the answer to the first question is no. We don't know what happened to Hosea. <laughs> the emphasis of the scripture is the scripture. It, it, it just doesn't tell us. It didn't tell us much about him coming in, and it's not telling us much about him going out. And so, no, we really don't know. We'd like to have a happily ever ending, uh, happily ever after ending, where you know he and Gomer get together and they they raise their children. Maybe they change their names at some point, and, <laughs> and you know they they they, they kind of have the fairy tale ending or whatever. They were they're reconciled and everything goes all right. That maybe that happened, maybe that we don't know. What we do know the answer to the second question is yes. We absolutely know what happened as a response to this. Um, Hosea had a long ministry. If you look at the list of kings that's mentioned in the very first verse of the book, that covers at least fifty or sixty years. And so if he ministered through those entire, those, the reigns of those kings, even if he, he caught the tail end of the first one and caught the front end of the, of the last one, he was still ministering faithfully for about five decades. And so that, that would also mean that he saw what happened in 722 BC. He saw the Assyrians come in. He saw the Assyrians devastate Samaria. He saw them being taken into captivity. He saw everything that he had talked about being fulfilled. And so, yes, he saw that. And that was, that's the big, uh, that's the big takeaway uh, from the book is, or the big, you know, when you ask what happened next, that's what happened next. The people never repented. The people never turned back to God. And so eventually his, his patience and his timing came to an end and they suffered what Hosea had warned them about for so long. And there's the promise too, though, that there would be, a remnant who would return. Uh, so he did not see that, obviously, because that would have been 70 years beyond that. Yes. But uh, there is that that element of hope here. Mm -hmm. Bob, thank you for being our resident expert on Hosea this year, this time around. And we appreciate that very much. Thank you for being with yeah. us. Uh, before we go, let me remind you about Extra. We identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. 
The file is free, and you can find these ideas on the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser. GoExploreTheBible.com forward slash leader extras. That's GoExploreTheBible.com forward slash leader extras. And that's no spaces. Once again, thank you all for listening to us. Tune in next week. We'll be turning the page. We'll be moving to Micah. We'll be looking at Micah the next three weeks. Bill Craig will be joining me. And we'll be looking at Micah chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and the idea that ungodly leadership will lead to God's wrath.